0: is such a powerful word for the child of God as we think back to the greatness of our God and as we wonder about His magnificence. Redemption is a very powerful, powerful word. And we are redeemed. And so with joy, we can echo that song, uh, thanking God for His blessed gift and for His mercy. It is good to see each of you here uh, tonight, both members and visitors alike, those whom. Are online. We're thankful that you are worshiping with us tonight, and we praise God for your attendance as well. Let's go together, please, to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you for your magnificence and for your greatness. We thank you for Jesus, who came to this earth born of a woman, and lived righteously all the days of his life. As we think about, Lord God, his life and wonder how a person could live their lives righteously without sin. We recognize, Lord God, that you sent Jesus to show us that man can live by your law without sin, but we choose not to. Help us to learn to love you the way that Jesus loves you. Help us to learn to obey you the way Jesus obeyed you. Help us to learn to love others as Jesus loved others. Thank you for the amazing demonstration of perfection on earth. And we ask, Lord God, that you'll bless us tonight as we worship you, praising you for Jesus, thanking you for your mercy and your care, asking, Lord God, that you will accept our worship, that all things that will and have been done, we pray they will and have been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and give you thanks to be thy will. Amen. Tonight we're looking at seven baptisms in the Bible. God has, regardless of what man has to say, God has declared baptism essential to salvation. He has declared baptism as an essential part of the human life. But mankind, humanity, has fought the purpose of God. And baptism is not a new idea. It's not something that just came along in in, uh, the book of Acts or in the days of Jesus as he taught or the days of John as he taught. But there are seven baptisms uh, mentioned in the Bible. One of those baptisms, we're going to Ephesians chapter 4, one of those baptisms must be obeyed. Only one of those baptisms makes a human, a Christian, a child of God. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called by, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This baptism is a baptism of immersion for the forgiveness of sins. We'll come to that um, later in our study. I want us to turn to First Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. In the Old Testament, Jesus speaks by way of inspiration of a baptism that, if you read the text, you wouldn't think it were about. Just like so many things in the Old Testament, you read and you don't really always put the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle together. But it's all there, and it's amazing when God opens it up to us and reveals. It to us. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate from the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. God says, I want to go back to Exodus chapter 13, that when you look at the crossing of the Red Sea, that that is a baptism, and if you will, the very first baptism that is mentioned in the Scriptures. But when you read the crossing of the Red Sea, unless you have in mind God's amazing plan, scheme of redemption, you would never have seen it as a baptism. But it was a rescue. It was a transfer from uh, a scene of wickedness and evil over to a life of righteousness and glory. It was God's blessing to humanity. Now, it's not the very first baptism, or if you will, the idea of being carried by water from one place to another, from wickedness and evil over to righteousness or completeness or something that's different. And we'll close with that idea uh, with Noah's Ark. But in Exodus chapter 13, beginning at verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So there's this pillar of cloud that is over them continually. Look at chapter 15. And the verse 8, the Bible says, And at the blast of of the nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the earth. So the idea that the water, we know, the wall, right, on both sides of Israel, became, if you will, an immersion for them. And the pillar of cloud that was over them continually Constantly, without end. Chapter 14 and verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And so here's this immersion. Right? They're completely immersed, if you will. They are surrounded by water. And then, in verse 29 through verse 31. And by the way, that's not a figure. It really happened. Right? 29 through verse 31. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashores. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Isn't it amazing that when they came down to the seashore, they looked to Moses and said, now we're going to die. But then God opens the water and lets them cross through, right? He parts the water, and they cross through. Something that was impossible, but it happens was it essential to cross the, wall, the the sea in order to be saved of course it was why is it argued today right why is it argued today that this is not something that's essential this is a picture from the old testament that god will bring into the new jesus was baptized right matthew chapter 13 or chapter 3 rather matthew chapter 3 now we might ask the question why was jesus bapti- baptized that's really important but regardless of the fact Of why, for just a moment, he was immersed in water. The Red Sea, it crossed through, immersed. Jesus, immersed in water. Verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Now keep in mind that at this, this moment, John doesn't know who Jesus is. Exa- he knows who he is. He's his cousin. But he doesn't know he's the Messiah yet. I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. But Jesus answering said to him, permit it at this time for in this way it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, a question. What if Jesus had said it was just a symbol, and he just went to the water and turned around and went back? It wouldn't have happened the way God told him to. Jesus had to be immersed literally in the water to fulfill, this is the point, all righteousness. And so Psalm 119 and verse 172 tells us exactly what righteousness is. And we want to grab that because we want to know what is all righteousness that God is fulfilling. When you think about righteousness, Matthew chapter 5, for example, um, that we have the, our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 20. And then God tells us, well, what is righteousness, God? Psalm 119 verse 172. Two, The Bible says, let my tongue sing of thy word for all thy commandments are righteousness. And so, though not recorded in the scriptures, it was a commandment for Jesus to be baptized to fulfill the righteousness of God. And so he follows even this commandment. And what was baptism? It wasn't a symbol and it wasn't a sign. It was a physical going down into the water physically, an immersion to obey the command. Now, it was the message to John that the Messiah has come to take a lost people from one world into a spiritual world, if you will. To transfer them from lostness into righteousness by the great power of God. Look, if you will, at John chapter 1. Let's look at verse 29. We'll begin there. John 1 and verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son Of God. So God used baptism as, if you will, even evidence to John that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But it wasn't a symbol, it was a physical act going down into the water in immersion and being raised up, being raised up as God had promised. Luke chapter three. Luke chapter three. Beginning in verse twenty one. Now it came about when all the people were baptized, that Jesus was baptized, and while he was praying, heaven was open, And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. It's kind of an interesting question. So why in the world do people fight baptism so much? Do you know why? You know, why? Why is this the most controversial subject in our, in our world of religion today? Because it's about salvation. Satan knows that. Satan knows, I like, keep you out of the water. See, all this other stuff doesn't even really, I mean, it all matters, but if you don't get baptized, the other stuff doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> so, Satan knows that. It's salvation. It's salvation, and Satan does not want people to be saved. So he throws things out there like it's an outward sign of an inward grace, and it's, it's just a symbol, and it's just this, and it's that. Just to confuse folks, but look, this has always been an immersion. It's not a symbol. Really important. Now, was Jesus baptized for the remission of sins? Well, obviously not. The Bible makes that very clear. But let's just read two passages of Scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, in verse 21. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus knew no sin. Hebrews chapter 4. He did not sin ever, but lived a life of perfection. Why was Jesus baptized? To fulfill all Righteousness. That's what Jesus himself says. Hebrews 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So, here's where maybe some of the ideas come from. Turn to Luke chapter 12, where people will say to you, well, baptism is not uh, essential to salvation, and baptism is nothing more than than a, a type or a, a sign, if you will, uh, for whatever reason, because they go to the baptism of suffering. Uh, Luke chapter twelve, the baptism of suffering. So they say, "See, this is just a it's just a sign, it's just a symbol." And but the idea of baptism of suffering is you are immersed in it, you are immersed in your suffering. So we use Jesus who made the comment, the statement in itself, Luke. Chapter 12 and verse 49. And I've come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. He spoke of this baptism as he spoke in so many other ways about his death and his burial and his resurrection. Turn to Mark, please. Chapter 10. He spoke of baptism just like he spoke of so many other things about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It wasn't to be confusing. But Jesus is saying, I am going to be so immersed in this suffering that I'm about to go through. He calls it a baptism. It's a baptism of suffering. Mark 10 in verse 32. The Bible reads, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking on ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death. And will deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine. Give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So Jesus says, Yeah, I'm going through a baptism, and you're going to go through it too. And they all did. I mean, John, the author of, uh, by inspiration of the book of Revelation, as Jesus tells him, dictates that message to him. And he's on the island of Patmos. And he says, I too am suffering with you in this tribulation. And James was beheaded. In other words, they were suffering. Every Christian in those days suffered. And Jesus says that was them going through a type of baptism. And so we, through our suffering, we might even say through tremendous suffering, that it is also like a baptism for us. But we're not talking about salvation. And that's what must be clarified. This passage is not talking about Salvation, but rather a physical suffering. But even then, it is something that is actual. It is an event that happens in a person's life. In Matthew chapter 26, in verse um, 38, the idea of the suffering that Jesus speaks of. He says, then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Now the one who says this, Jesus Christ. Remember, he's God, and if he's suffering over death and agonizing over what's about to happen to him, you better believe it was a baptism of suffering. And it's 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 shameful for us, if you will, or people of the world who want to take this idea. Turn to Luke, please, chapter twenty-two. This idea of, of, of baptism of, of suffering, and say you know it isn't what it what it says it is. Uh, you know, shame on them. Don't believe everything you hear. Right? Just read the book. Read the book. All the answers are there. It's clear. Luke 22 in verse 44. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. So Jesus had an amazing moment. An amazing moment. The Son of God had an amazing moment. And he said, that was my baptism. Was it his baptism? Was it his physical? No, in, in he was baptized by John. We're not talking about the same thing. So don't let the world confuse you, as they have confused so many today, unfortunately and sadly enough. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5, please. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's look down at verse 7. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. In the days of his flesh... He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. That's the Messiah, right? That's the Messiah. The Messiah was agonizing and praying to God. He called it a baptism. Praise God, that's exactly what it was. Now, there's this transformation a transformation from, from a, a lostness, if you will, a lost state, or, or if you will, this transformation from one environment to another. And it's interesting that the Bible clarifies that to us and says this also, this transformation is then a, a baptism. It's a type of baptism to take you from one place to another. But the point is that baptism for salvation does exactly that. It carries a man from a kingdom of lostness, transforms him or transfers him into a kingdom of salvation. I'm going to go all the way to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I, or chapter 3 rather. And I want to look at verse 20, just verse 20, speaking of Noah in those days. In verse 20, Who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. In other words, what God is saying, safety was inside of the ark. And the water did two things. The water transported, transferred Noah and his family from difficulty... An unsafe state to a safe state, from one environment, lostness to another environment, being saved. And those who were not inside of the ark died, drowned by the same waters that saved. Turn to First um, Colossians. Turn to Colossians, chapter one. Colossians, chapter one. So from one environment to Another environment. They were literally transported across the way by water. Colossians 1 in verse 13. The Bible says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." So He has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of salvation. He did it through water. right? And all of that by His grace. All of that by His grace and by His mercy. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. In verse, you know, we're going to verse 38. I'm going to look at that for just a moment. So baptism is not a symbol. It's not a sprinkling. We see every time it's baptism, there's this immersion, being immersed in it, if you will. It's not pouring or fusion, uh, some say. It is an immersion into water. For the cleansing of the soul. We're talking about salvation now. The one baptism that refers to salvation is a baptism in water. Mentioned in Acts chapter 2 in verse 38. And we'll come back to that through this uh, series of lessons. Baptism is not a work. Some have said it is a work. But when you read the text, it doesn't say go baptize yourself. It says be. It's passive. Be baptized. You need someone to do it for you. And that's important. You need someone to take you down. into. The, you can't just go and dunk yourself. Not That's not a, not according to the Scriptures. It is a passive text. It is a surrender. You surrender your life to God. And you allow some human being, by your trust and faith in this individual as well, mostly in God. You allow this individual to take you down to the water and bring you back up. That's the part about the human being. But you understand that going down into the water, this immersion. That the old man dies and the new man is raised. Well, what did you do? didn't do anything. It's passive. You did nothing. You just you just surrender. You allow someone to take you under and bring you back up. How can it be a work? All that you've done is you've made a decision. that I'm going to serve God and fear Him. And you trusted in your faith. But outside of that, we did absolutely nothing. Somewhere going down into the water, God washes away our sins. What did you do? Nothing. You didn't wash your own sins away. God did it all. It's passive. At some point, when you went down into the water, God gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did you do? Nothing. It's all passive. It is not a work of man. It is a work of faith that you believe that God will do in the water what He promised He would do. And let me ask you this question: When you went down to the water, when were you saved? When you went down in, and or when you came up out, right? Somewhere, God washed your sins away. And when you came out of the water, you were new. All of it was done. What did you do? Nothing. Someone brought you out of the water. right? God did everything. It's passive. Acts 2, in verse 38. The Bible says, And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and I love how our um, theologians love to argue the word ace and love to try to tell you what God meant we don't need it. you don't need anybody to tell you what God meant just believe what God said right? you know we don't need to go through and become philosophical on it God meant what he said and God said what he meant and so it's passive. And it's simple. And God made it simple. That's the problem. It's salvation is so simple. It's so easy that we fight it. We're like naming. No, 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 that can't be the case. Dip seven times and this are not the rivers of Abarna and Farpar better. I mean, can't I go there and do it? And then his, his attendants said, well, wait a minute. Think about, it. he didn't ask you to do anything great. And that's what we're looking for because we're arrogant and prideful people. Give me something that I can do to where I can say I saved myself. And God says, I'm not going to give you that. Passive. Surrender to God in the waters of baptism by way of immersion that you might be saved. Allow God to do all the work when one repents and confesses the name of Christ. You go down into the water. God washes your sins away. God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you're raised up and Jesus brings you up brand new. He transfers you from the domain of darkness and transfers for you over into the kingdom of his beloved son. Isn't God good? Yeah, God is wonderful. The lesson is yours. Lord willing, we'll come back next week and we'll look at this whole concept again. I believe that was only three of the seven baptisms. God bless you.